0: Young, back to throw. In trouble. He's gonna be sacked. No, gets away. He runs, gets away again, goes to the 40,
1: gets away again, to the 35, cuts back at the 30, to the 20, the 50, the 10. He dies, touchdown,
0: 49ers. What's up, 49ers Faithful? We're back with another episode of the 49ers Webs on No Huddle Podcast, sponsored by the theqseek.com. Remember, for accurate predictions on every NFL matchup and thought-provoking NFL content that can help your fantasy teams or confidence pools, head to theqbc.com. And here we go. Another victory podcast. That's six in a row, guys. I'm Zane. We got Levin. We got stats. We got another victory podcast for your 6-0 and San Francisco 49ers. How are you guys feeling?
1: Well, we're 6-0. Wasn't the prettiest of games, but 6-0, and 6-0, win's a win. It was a
2: hideous game. There was nothing pretty about it, but they didn't, they took care of their business. It wasn't what we were thinking going in, but at the end of the day, we ended up where we needed to.
0: It was kind of one of those kiss your aunt, sort of not so great, ugly games. It was definitely not the most aesthetically pleasing thing that we saw. However, that could all be attributed to the weather. Look, when I saw that this game was going to be. A monsoon basically the entire time. Like I was like, man, it's going to be a close game. It and when I saw the conditions, them actually playing in them, I'm like, man, three could win this game, and that's it. When they got the th- the first three, when the goal missed that first field goal, I was like, man, I, I wish they got that because that's all they would need. And after they got, after he did convert his field goal, his first one, I was like, that's it, that's pretty much it. They're going to win this game because Washington's offense can't do anything, even though the Niners' offense struggled too. But it was one of those games where you kind of burn the tape afterwards. It's just a burn the tape game. You can't really glean anything from this game aside from a few defensive things, but your offense wasn't running as normal. Your defense basically stymied another offense that wasn't running normal. So you maybe I'll open it up to you guys. What do you guys think you can actually learn from a game like this?
1: Well, I, I will say I wasn't quite as uh, sure it was going to be a win after the three points. I was nervous up until that final field goal just because of the conditions that I was thinking, you know, we've seen twice already late game where the secondary gives up a long pass. Now, those games are already decided when they did that, but with the conditions, I was thinking, what happens if the cornerback slips and falls and they get a long touchdown, all of a sudden they're they're leading? So I was sitting there pretty nervous thinking they're bound to get some kind of lucky play here because they really hadn't done anything other than a few runs here and there since that first drive. Once again, the Niners defense kind of struggled in the first drive, but they managed to not give up points thanks to the missed field goal. But overall, I don't know if you can take anything from the game other than the only thing I will take from it, and I said this on Twitter, is I think there is at least somewhat of a fatal flaw in Shanahan's offense in that if he gets extreme rain like this, which granted Washington's field is probably the worst in the league, but if he gets rain where you can't get those outside blocking schemes, those outside zone runs take linemen pulling. So they got to be able to get off quick to get to the edge in time. And then it also takes the running back running laterally. And then when he sees the hole, making a sharp cut right, right up field, north and south. Although you couldn't get the footing to do that. And we saw the offense struggle because they were still trying to run those plays and they were not, working. They couldn't get the blocking down or the running back was slipping. You know, we even saw Shanahan call one of those on the goal line with the end around from Kittle where he couldn't make the cut. That was the only thing that I would take from this game that I'm worried if, say, come playoffs or whatever, there's a really bad weather game that Shanahan will not adjust his offense to be more of a north and south offense.
2: The thing that I liked was To me, I just look at the season as a whole. I look, okay, the Buccaneers game, they needed scores from the defense to get them over the top. Okay, they did that. Cincinnati game, the offense just manhandled them. Okay, the Steelers game, they had to overcome the five turnovers. You know, the Rams game, the defense smothered them. I just look and I see every different kind of way that the 49ers can win a game this season so far, they've done it. And Shanahan's talked about it after the game, and I feel like it's a message that he's sending to his team. Like, look, whatever kind of game there is, we know we can win it because so far this year, they have been. And so I like that sort of as a season, you know, from a top-down perspective because, like you guys said, individually, this game, the weather just – it's hard to take anything else from it.
0: I, was, I actually was pretty confident, Levin, that they, that they would win. And, and stats, I, I, I agree. You can't really – what you do is you just be happy to get out of there with the win. And I think that given the injuries, they were missing seven starters – they're missing obviously we know by now both tackles are out, use checks out, Witherspoon's out, goodwin went out with a with a, an apparent head injury and really you're you're kind of down to nothing at receiver and and I want to stay there right there for a second. This wide receiver group from the 49ers I was expecting so much more out of them and maybe they can turn it around. But specifically Goodwin and Pettis. I was expecting much more out of them because Jimmy's first year, Goodwin was one of his go-to guys. It was Goodwin and Trent Taylor were his favorite targets that season. And Goodwin put out almost, he almost had a thousand yards in his first year as a 49er. And it seems like since that year, he has fallen off like a lot. He's fallen off to the point where I don't even know if he's going to end the season as a 49er. I really don't because... It just seems like he's just not mentally with it. I know that the, the drop that he had in Washington was because of the rain and everything, but he had another bad drop in, in the previous week against LA. And he just doesn't seem like his head is, is totally in it. And I know, I know he's been going through a lot of personal problems and my, my heart really goes out to him and it's really difficult for me to, to kind of be critical of his play because of all the stuff that he's had to deal with. But on the field stuff, it's just been it's just been kind of mental lapse after mental lapse for him. And I I don't know if Jimmy fully trusts his receivers at at this point, the, the interception he threw towards Pettis. I mean, look, that's 75% on Garoppolo, right? That's that the majority of that's on him. It, It was his fault. He threw the pick. However, I thought that Pettis could have really gone up there and at least played defensive back and knocked it away or at least fought for the ball. Like if you give Jimmy the, the Seattle receivers and what Russell Wilson has had with those guys, with those ball skills, he would be a different quarterback. It just seems like the receivers don't have very good ball skills in the 49ers. And it shows Dante Pettis doesn't even have a hundred yards through, through six games. Like that's, this is a guy that they traded up to get last year. And a guy who's already been in the doghouse once. So I, do, I don't know what they're going to do with the receiver position. Obviously Debo's going to help him being back and Jalen Hurd being back and Trent Taylor being back is going to help the team. But, really, what do you do? Like they brought Jordan Matthews up for the game against Washington, like his jersey remained clean, like you could tell who played in this game by how clean their jersey was, right, And Jordan Matthews had a spotless jersey by the end of the game. So I don't know what they're going to do to fix this receiver position. I don't know if there's a trade about it. like stats. Have you heard anything on on p f t like what's going on like what's going on with the receiver position
2: well, they are they're aggressive they're they are out there looking, which you know we talked about last week, generally, John Lynch seems to be pretty aggressive. A.J. Green is a name that's popped up. Emmanuel Sanders is a name that's come up. Uh, Muhammad Sanu obviously has familiarity with Kyle Shanahan. I mean, look, if they get A.J. Green, that's that's a game changer right there. That's a big deal. Emmanuel Sanders was a, ni- a very nice piece. I think he would help, certainly. I mean, the receivers now have been nothing special at all. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know how much any of those guys are going to help unless they make a big splash for an A.J. Green. At this point, though, I'm... I'm I don't know what they would be willing to give up for him, but they need to do something because, like you said, it has been an absolute slog at the wide receiver. I mean, Marcus Goodwin has 181 yards, and he leads all their receivers. That's pathetic. That That is pathetic, especially when you've got an offensive mind like Kyle Shanahan. Something has to be done, Levin. I just don't know what it is yet.
1: Yeah, I think all the receivers have the same issue. They're all inconsistent. There's not a single receiver that's been able to run even the same route consistently. You know, Pettis has shown flashes, but then he's also had some bad plays. Marquise Goodwin has gotten open deep a few times, but then he drops the ball. You know, Debo Samuel, to me, he he's got the same issues that was a lot of what the pre-draft talk was, which is he can he's great after he has the ball in his hands. And you've seen that. That's why they're running wide receiver screens to him. And he's great in the box, meaning he's great right off the line and on something like a short slant, but he he doesn't have that separation speed for the intermediate and deep routes, and we've seen that. I mean, how how many times going back, watching game film, I, I could count on one hand how many times I've seen him open deep. He did have one catch where he got open on an intermediate route, but really he's not able to get that separation. The one guy I would like to see play a little bit more is Richie James Jr. He seems to have been the most consistent, but he gets the least opportunities. I don't know why that You know, is. I'm not going to criticize Kyle Shanahan. Obviously, he knows a a world more than me about it, but maybe he's just a bad blocker in the run game. The run game is kind of the bread and butter of the Niners. I don't know what it is, but I think he needs to play more even if he is not a very good run game blocker, just because he is the most consistent receiver in terms of receiving, and the Niners need somebody to be consistent there.
0: Before the beginning of the season, I talked about how this team would not have a number one and, and it would just be the open guy that, that would be the guy that Jimmy would throw to. And this is a little bit too extreme. This is a little bit of an extreme level of that where it's not that he's throwing to an open guy. It's just that there are no guys getting open. Like Debo has the most targets on any receiver not named George Kittle. And we'll, we'll for positional purposes, we'll remove George Kittle from this conversation uh, except to say that there is an over-reliance now on George Kittle to make plays. And I think that other teams will start keying in on that. You're only, you're not even halfway through the season now. And everybody knows that there's no secret that George Kittle is, is the go-to guy on the offense. So they need to do something to be able to, to counteract when they take George Kittle away. So the receiver that's been actually been targeted the most is Debo. He's had 22 targets in his games this year and he missed the last game. So That should tell you something where where maybe Jimmy doesn't trust the rest of his receivers. Like You have to ask yourself, how many of these receivers would start on any other team in the league? And the answer is none. None of these guys would start for any other team. And now you're having to roll with these guys when you're trying to win a division and secure a play spot. And I know that the rebuild was not supposed to have the window open up this year. But hey, that's just how it happens. Sometimes teams play over their head or sometimes it just comes together. And sometimes things start to click earlier than you thought they would. And and we talked about it in the last show where the championship window is open now and you have to make those championship moves. And if it is getting a guy like Emmanuel Sanders or a guy like AJ Green, or even Mohamed Sanu, like you guys are mentioning, like any of these guys would help because all of those guys are better than what you have at this point. And again, that's not to knock what Jalen Hurd can bring and what Debo can bring. Those guys are just rookies. We don't know what they have yet. So it's, I'm not saying that they're nothing, but we can't say that they're going to be thousand yard franchise receivers. because they're. They're just rookies. So they have to make that improvement to that position. That's the one position on this roster, basically, that you're lacking at this point. And if you guys remember, going into that championship game in 2011, well, 2012, January 2012, against the Giants, that Harbaugh team, the thing that they were lacking that killed them was a the lack of receivers. And they went in there rolling in with Brett Swain and Jeff, Joe Hastings <laughs> and these guys. It was just... The the worst stats. Like I see, you, I funny, I see you laughing. and I feel the same way inside, right, Levin. I see, like guys. Like I mean, am I am I crazy in thinking this? They have to make a move here, right? Right. And I don't think they need to make
1: a ram size move. They don't need to trade a future first, in my opinion. If that's what the price is on AJ Green, I would say the Niners should be out on AJ Green. But in my opinion, AJ Green shouldn't cost that. And Emmanuel Sam- Sanders and uh, Sanu definitely won't cost a first round. You know, th- both those guys, I would think. Even a third round pick would be in the ballpark. Um, So to me, they need to make a move to improve the wide receivers, but we're not sitting here saying they need to be like the Rams where they go all in this season and they're putting themselves into position to only have a one or two year window like the Rams have done. They can make a move and still keep that window open for the foreseeable future.
2: Yeah, but why not go all in? Why not go with the Rams? You know, say what you want about the Rams. They're going for it. They push their chips to the middle of the table. If you're the 49ers, why not call up San Diego? Up San Diego. Listen to me. Why not call up the Chargers in LA and say They'll what be does back. it take to get Keenan Allen? They'll be back in what, San Diego soon. <laughs> that's true. But why not see what it takes to get Keenan Allen? The Chargers are going nowhere. They're they're terrible. Maybe it does take a first. Maybe it takes two firsts. I don't know. I, I would rather see them go big and fail. Then, Like, Muhammad Sanu, he's a nice piece. He will help because the 49ers receivers are so bad that he has to. But, I mean, are they Muhammad Sanu away from the Super Bowl? I don't know that he's going to be that much of a difference maker. I would like to see them go big and get
0: maybe a Keenan Allen or someone like that. What do you guys think? That was certainly like, I, I wanted to draft Keenan Allen right after he was out of Cal. Like I was a huge Keenan Allen guy. When he went to the chargers, I'm like, man, that guy's going to be a star. And he, he ended up becoming a star. When you want to be a championship contending team, you have to make those championship level moves, right? We see that the Patriots do it all the time. And granted they have Brady and Belichick and whatever, but at the same time, they'll go out and they'll get like a Darrell Revis for one year. They'll get a Josh Gordon. They'll take a flyer on an Antonio Brown, which I do by the way, they absolutely in no circumstance should they take a flyer no, on Brown. No, 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 <laughs> That is a no with red flags and the big do not enter sign. And just don't even, we're not even going to discuss that because that is so far out of what they need, but they should, I, it's not in the 49ers to make that move unless somebody offers it to them. But I think that they should Prague doesn't really operate that way with this trays, but I think that he should break, he should break his tendency and do that. I mean, Levin, what do you think? I, w- I would be fine with Keenan
1: Allen. I would pay a first-round pick plus for Keenan Allen. I think there's a difference between Keenan Allen and A.J. Green, and that difference is four years, and uh-huh. while Keenan Allen hasn't been you know, a perfect picture of health, he's been much more healthy than A.J. Green. I'm not in favor of giving a first-round pick for a 31-year-old receiver who's constantly injured,
2: no matter how good he is. Yeah, I mean, a first-round pick, it's, it's going to be a late-round pick, right? It's going to be at least in the 20s. Uh- I mean, granted, if Green doesn't play, obviously it's a wash. But, I mean, we've talked about the window being open. I mean, the Patriots throw away first-round picks like they're nothing. They actively try to get rid of first-round picks to get into the second round. Seattle does the same thing, too. I would be willing to take the risk. I would rather see an A.J. Green or a Keenan Allen, somebody with a high ceiling, rather than a Muhammad Sadu or an Emmanuel Sanders. And I don't think Emmanuel Sanders is bad by any stretch, but he's
0: not the number one bona fide stud guy. We have to ask ourselves, are the 49ers for real? I know this is a dumb question for us to ask because we've been championing their triumphs the last few weeks, but are the 49ers for real? We have to really dig deep down and, and open that can up and see what's inside of there. And if, it, and if we feel like they are one receiver away, if we feel like they're one player away, one playmaker away, then yes, they should make that move. I feel like this is, this team is for real. Just, just looking at the defense alone, there's not one unit in this league that is as dominant as the 49ers defense. If you look at New England's defense and what they've done as a whole, their team as a whole is the best team in the league. I'm, I'm comfortable with saying that. However, as one unit isolating that one unit, they have the best defense in the league. When you have that luxury, that lets you. That, that gives you the ability to take chances elsewhere. And, and even if you're not successful, it's okay because you have that elite group. So to me, like, are, are, guys, are the Forty ers for real? Are they real enough to make that move?
1: I think that's a very simple answer, and the answer is yes. <laughs> There's not much needed to elaborate. The defense by itself makes them for real. You, you could have a Mariota-led offense and the Niners would still be for real because that defense is a championship level defense. And we've seen quarterbacks in the past ride a defense to a championship.
2: It's funny you mentioned Mariota. I believe he has more passing yards than Jimmy Garoppolo. If I no. <laughs> Last time I checked, I think he's actually ahead of him. But look, the, my point with the 49ers, are they for real? We're going to find out because... You know, People have this debate, who's the best team in the NFC? Some people say it's New Orleans. Well, week 14, the Niners go to New Orleans to take them on, and Drew Brees will probably be back for that game. So there'll be no excuses for people that say, well, it was Teddy Bridgewater. No, that won't be a thing. Or they say maybe Green Bay is better than the 49ers. Well, week 12, Green Bay is going to come to Levi Stadium and play the San Francisco. So we're going to find out exactly how good this team is. I think this team is good. I think their defense is amazing, and the offense... Yeah, it has their problems, but when Kyle Shanahan's the one designing your plays, he's going to get people open. Maybe not you know, as consistently as we would like, but people are going to get open, and it's going to come down to whether or not those guys get hit and whether or not they can actually catch the damn ball and make plays.
0: I feel like this group drops more balls than any other group in the NFL. And Granted, we watch majority 49ers games as it is, so we see them more than anybody else, but I still feel like they're... They're not a very reliable group. I just, I just don't have confidence in them that they can go into a Green Bay or into a Seattle or into a New Orleans and make that tough catch to win the game. Like when Pettis won that, when Pettis caught the the pass to win the game against Pittsburgh, the previous play, the, the play that was called a, a, a hold against, against Kittle on the guy guarding Kittle, he dropped the touchdown pass. Like Jimmy put it right on him and it hit him right in the chest and he dropped it. They were lucky that they got that hold out of there because Pettis flat out dropped the the what would have been the game winning touchdown pass to only come back and catch it the next time. But even then, like you can't have a guy dropping fifty percent of his of his passes thrown his way. You can't have that. And they're targeted so little. I think that part of it is maybe they're targeted so little. So it's kind of like the old adage in baseball where you're just kind of standing around, the ball's not hit to you. You're more likely to make an error. But I don't know. I I just don't know what it is about this receiver group. Like they just they just lack that star power. And and if they stay like, what if they stay put, what happens then? Like, what do you do? Do you, do you activate Trent Taylor and heard? And you take guys out of the starting lineup. Do you move born up the depth chart? Like, what do we, what do we do if there's guys that are just on this team and they don't make a move?
1: You pray that Jalen heard and Trent Taylor come back healthy and show their true selves. You know, we saw Trent Taylor try to play last year and he didn't look like his true self because he wasn't, wasn't fully back really. so, that That's really what you do. If you stand pat, that's all you can do. You hope Debo continues to progress. You hope Dante Pettis suddenly emerges and fulfills his potential. Or that one of those two guys returns and is able to be the kind of piece that unlocks everybody else.
2: Yeah, I think that Taylor return is key because that's Jimmy's guy on third down. And like we've talked about, Kittle is going to draw the double coverage. And so Jimmy loves looking at Trent Taylor in the slot one-on-one running those little pivot routes the Rams do, the option routes, those kind of things. That's his comfort blanket. That's that what gets him in a rhythm. They always talk about all getting into a rhythm and a flow offensively. That's Jimmy's guy. He can just dump it off to Trent Taylor. He feels very comfortable with him. And I think the offense looks different when he's there. If he doesn't come back and it's, it's this same group of guys, I don't think it's going to get any better, especially when you look at the schedule. I think it's going to get harder. So I'm not really sure. They're really going to have to lean on. Kyle's going to have to draw up some magic, basically in the dirt to figure it out, because as the schedule gets tougher, I think the focus is going to be on those receivers more and more.
1: I will say one thing. I wonder how much Shanahan has avoided those deeper pass plays because of the loss of both starting tackles the last few weeks. That, that's the one caveat that I don't think anybody knows other than Shanahan and, and maybe the other guys playing in that offense. Is Shanahan purposely dialing it back so that he doesn't risk Jimmy Garoppolo getting blown up every play or a whole bunch of sacks because they're waiting on plays to develop that they just won't get the time to. That's one thing I would like to see when those guys get back is if suddenly the intermediate routes open up. That would be a clear sign to me that Shanahan was kind of scaling things back and playing it safe because as he said, when you have the defense, you do. You don't need to take those risks.
0: So, I want to talk about what you just mentioned there with scaling the offense back and take it back to the game against Washington. And obviously it's in the rain and and you have to scale it back even more. However, people look at Jimmy Garoppolo's stats and I guess this is the part of the show where we talk about Jimmy Garoppolo's weekly performance, right? I guess we've entered that part of the show. And you look at how he played and and the stats they put up weren't spectacular. He threw for just over 150 yards, completed about 50% of his passes. He had that interception, no touchdowns. However, given the fact that they were playing in those conditions without his top two offensive tackles. Like we're talking about like these guys, these tackles were number five and six on the depth chart because Sean Coleman also got hurt too. So these guys are at the bottom of the depth chart. You're without Kyle Juszczyk, who's an integral part of your offense. You lose Marquise Goodwin for as poorly as he's played. He's still your starting receiver. Lose him in the first quarter of the game. And you're trying to throw to guys that really aren't used to getting the ball, like haven't really established themselves. You're really having to put this all on Jimmy's shoulders. And Who wins, who wins these games? Like who, who will win in that circumstance where you, where you don't have these people playing for you, where you have limitations like that. I can think of only three or four quarterbacks, a handful of quarterbacks that could win in that situation. And despite that, Jimmy's still putting up winning numbers. We talked about him having a 16 game season to see what he does. He finally has 16 games under his belt now. And, you can see what he's done with what is the equivalent of a 16 start season. And it's pretty impressive. I think that the, the small sample size of this season, you could take it with a grain of salt and be like, it's not all his fault because there's receivers. There's, there's balls clanging out receivers' hands. There's people running wrong routes like Debo did against the uh, last week against the Rams and things like that. But like, really you have to look at, look at this and unpack it in the sense that what he brings, you can't predict, you can't, point out with statistics, what he brings are intangible things that make the team better. And Richard Sherman talked about it, about it after the game as well. He is the tide that raises all the boats in the Harbor. They just look better when he's playing. They just look better when he's leading them. I I, I don't think I'm crazy in saying that.
1: No, there's a lot of, uh, you know, some people don't believe in it, but there's, there's a lot about chemistry. And I think that goes a long way in a sport, especially like football. And Jimmy Garoppolo has a way of kind of unifying that team. You know, you've seen him hanging out with George Kittle and things like that. I I think he's very good at bringing the guys together and kind of giving them that inspiration. You know, even on the field, He, he kind of picked it up from Tom Brady. Like I said, you don't want to keep comparing them, but he does have that very calm, cool, collected, doesn't get rattled type of demeanor.
2: They're not the same player. But I'm gonna make a comparison. I think that Colin Kaepernick in terms of raw physical skills had much better raw physical ability than Jimmy Garoppolo. Mm-hmm. But he had no game awareness, no pocket awareness. He was not a, a leader in the locker room. You know, he wasn't the guy that was gonna go rally everybody together that inspired a lot of leadership. I feel like Jimmy Garoppolo has all that stuff in spades. He's got a good pocket awareness. He's He is a leader. The teammates love him, like you guys have talked about. He he kind of holds them together. Kittle has said that, and other guys have said that. But, you know, it's getting to a point now. I'm a little tired of saying, well, he doesn't have this wide receiver. His tackles are injured. You know, there's always an excuse. And I think he's played better than most people give him credit for. I'm willing to say that. I've said that here. but. I want to start seeing a little bit more from him now. I think it's time. It's been you know over a year since the ACL injury. You've got 16 games under your belt. If you're going to be the guy that we thought you were going to be when you came in 2017 and lit the world on
0: fire, you got to start to show that eventually, regardless of who's out there. So the statistics that he had at the end of 2017 were almost actually identical to this year. He has about 300 less passing yards than he did in 2017. And he went, he had five and zero records going into the game against Washington this year, right? So you could have compared them and it would have been pretty, pretty, uh, almost on par. So the question then that I have for you guys is uh, okay, fine. He's eventually got to produce at some point on his own. He's eventually got to win games on his own. That's, that's fine. That that point's taken. However, how is he going to do that without receivers? Who, who, like, I want to go back to the previous question. Who are the quarterbacks that win with these receivers? Who can win with these guys?
2: I saw Aaron Rodgers win with nobody on, I mean, he's
0: got nobody out there, but but that's, but that's Aaron Rodgers, right? Like he's, that's this is a hall of fame quarterback, not a guy in his first full year of starting, right? Like Aaron Rodgers and and Drew Brees and throw Russell Wilson in there too, by the way, Pat Mahomes, Brady, all these guys, like they're, they're cut from a different mold, right? I I don't think that it's right to compare Garoppolo to those guys because he hasn't accomplished that yet. Like we have to be realistic with our expectations here and, and say that if he's Playing with bottom of the league receivers, which is literally what they are right now. They're, they're at the bottom of the league, this receiving group. That's what he has to work with. And the fact that he's he's still winning games and still able to not make a, a, a critical mistake at, at a critical time. I mean, look, I'm not trying to be a homer, but I'm saying like we, we have to also be realistic, too, right? And and see what he has to work with. Who's he throwing to? And if he can make it work with this group of receivers, then yes, we can say, like, okay, he's a lead or whatever. But if he's if he's just still winning games and kind of puttering along and not really doing anything spectacular, then I want to see what he can do with the number one receiver. Give him like a Julio Jones or give him an Odell Beckham like they tried to do this offseason, and then you can really evaluate what, what he can do. But until then, really the only thing that we can use to have him to evaluate with is, is his one loss record, which is 14-2, and two, by the way.
1: I don't really evaluate quarterbacks based on one loss alone. I, I, I think it's pretty safe to say Jimmy Garoppolo is an above-average quarterback right now, who's got average stats, but he has the potential to be a superstar. He has the makings of a superstar who hasn't fulfilled that. All he is right now is above average quarterback. He can make a, a big play when needed, but he can also have a boneheaded play like we've seen some of his turnovers. He, he's kind of in that boat, and we've all seen the potential. And so a lot of the fans and the, the Niners fan base are kind of already propping him up to what the potential is because that's what this fan base does, especially with the quarterback position. But the reality of it, he's an above-average quarterback who has some deficiencies that he's got to work on, and he's only got one full season worth of experience, so there's still time to fulfill all that potential. But he's not there yet.
2: But how differently do we look at his turnovers if the interception that he throws against Washington turns into a touchdown instead of a stop by the defense or, you know, any of the plays that we saw any of his interceptions this year, honestly, like he's kind of gotten bailed out by the fact that the defense hasn't let those interceptions and turnovers get turned into points against the Rams game. He fumbles Aaron Donald with the strip sack. I mean, we look at that a lot differently. We're, We're having a different Jimmy Garoppolo conversation if the other team is able to score points and that doesn't, that's out of his control. He doesn't have anything to do with that. So I just, again, I think that he's played better than it's looked so far, but I need to start seeing more from him, especially like I've talked about as the schedule gets tougher, which it does here.
0: Yeah. I just have a hard time evaluating him when the talent around him is not up to par. I, I agree. I agree that I want him to grow. We, we have to see that growth. And I think he, I think he has in some ways uh, maybe baby steps, if you will. But, there the, that's kind of the line stats in the NFL. We, we know this between winning and losing is that if you make a mistake, can you overcome that? And more often than not, he does. And the does he have the help? defense bails them out. Of course. And he, he has the help of his defense. Absolutely. A hundred percent. However, we also have to remember that this guy is, has not even started 16 games in a season. Right. And we have to remember that there's, there's a growth curve that he's following. And is he losing them games? no, that's that's really what I look at. Is he losing them games? Has he thrown the picks the the pick to lose the game? Not yet. I don't think he's he's made one of those mistakes yet. And it's just I, I tweeted this out, and it's and and I and I stand by it. It's really hard to evaluate him because there's so many moving parts. Do you evaluate him based off of his statistics, his touchdown interception ratio, which isn't great? Do you evaluate him based off of his yardage totals this year, which haven't been up to par with his uh, his uh, first five games? I, of of twenty twenty seventeen, including this washing this last Washington game, which kind of messed up his stats. Do we evaluate him based off of DVOA and wins that he's added? Like, what do we evaluate him on? And I think that's the frustration that people have when they try to look at him and try to see what they have because you really you really can't decide like if this guy keeps winning, but it's like, well the statistics tell us that he shouldn't be, but yet he still is. And it's 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 sometimes because of the defense, sometimes because he'll make a play. So Again, like I'm not willing to put a stamp on like he's X, Y, or Z until he gets some talent around him, until he actually has a chance to be like, Okay, I have a go to receiver. Kyle Shanahan can run the full playbook. Like we we really the, the truth of it is we really just won't know.
1: Let me ask you this, Zane. What was your opinion of Dak Prescott after his second season? Were you sold on him or were you saying, well, he's got deficiencies and he's got to pick it up because he had terrible wide receivers before Amari Cooper came in in his third season. He was winning games, but he wasn't winning it because of him. He was winning it because they had a great run game and they had a good enough defense to get by and get some wins. Dak, that second season, if you remember, didn't look all that good and a lot of people were debating, is he for real, is he not? Is he really a good quarterback or is he a game manager? To me, I think Jimmy Garoppolo is kind of in that boat of where Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott was after his second season.
0: I'll buy that. I, I I don't disagree with that. I think that because so these guys are kind of a victim of their early success. Dak had the early success in the first year, and then he comes out the second year and he has the sophomore slump, and and he's not playing as well. Jimmy had the same thing last year; he wasn't playing as well, and he got ended up getting hurt. We don't know what would have happened during that season. For them, kind of, it was a blessing in disguise because they got Nick Bosa out of that draft, and, and we'll talk about the defense in a second, but. With regard to Jimmy, like I think that for him, it just really comes down to being able to put together better numbers than he's put up in the first half of the season, right? Like, I mean, I think that's fair, right? We should expect that when you hit "quote unquote" mid-season form, that means that you should get better than you were in the beginning of the season because you've had time to have the repetitions that you need to be able to understand who you're playing with and be able to read the defenses what they're throwing at you. Because a lot of it is a copycat league, you're going to start seeing the same coverages thrown at you over and over again if they work. So, uh, to me, it'll be really interesting to see what he does down the stretch. Now, if he totally craps the bed down the stretch, and then, then it's like, okay, then we have an issue. But if he's like kind of just puttering along at the same pace and throwing like a pick a game or whatever it is and ends up with like 20 touchdowns and 16 picks, it's like, well, how much did we really learn about him, right? Like, we can't really write him off, but we really don't know what we have here. So, I'm in wait what and see mode.
2: At what point do you stop saying, well, we haven't learned anything and saying,
0: this is what he, we have learned? This is it. But I mean, is, is the object winning games, right? Do you want to win games? That's the question I ask, right? Like if you, if, if you want to win games, then you got to stick with the guy that's winning you games. Like that's why Carolina this week is, is going with, uh, with Allen and instead of Cam Newton, who may be back, may or may not be back, but that's what, that's what it comes down to guys is like, this guy's helping you win games. Like he's not, he's not winning them by himself by any means. The, the defense is the unit that's been carrying this team. However, this guy, when he is quarterback, he's better than all of the other quarterbacks that have played for this regime. And they talk about one's an accident, two's a trend. There's a trend when he plays, they win. There's a trend wherever he goes, he wins. So to me, if you told me before the season that the Niners would be six and zero, regardless of the quarterback stats, if Jimmy Garoppolo was the quarterback and they were six and 0 I'd be like, sign me up for that every time.
1: Well, I don't think anybody would disagree with that, but I think we can wrap it up with this. We're going to know what Jimmy Garoppolo is by the end of the season because the second half of the schedule yeah. is a gauntlet. He's got good defenses, he's going to have to play on the road. He's got a lot of you know, he's got Seattle twice, he's got New Orleans on the road, he's got Baltimore on the road. We're going to know what he is when he gets through those eight games. We're going to know if he's a really good quarterback that had a bad start to the season or a mediocre start to the season, however you want to put it, or if he's got major deficiencies and the jury is very much out on him. The end of the season
0: will answer that question. What do you mean? His receivers? <laughs> he still needs to be able to throw guys the ball. It's funny because like we could, we could literally. It's just like a circular thing. It's just like, oh man, is it Jimmy? Is it the receivers? Is it just? Oh god, I just wish they would just get, just get go get like just go get Julio Jones. Just just throw the farm at him. Just be like, hey, we're just gonna oh, get you. They <laughs>
2: His salary cap in Atlanta is a complete I know, mess. I, know. It's,
0: it's not, it's I had not, that
2: thought. I was going to say that. And then I, I saw a couple of things on Twitter and was like, oh, that's really not
0: going to work. Damn.
2: If I not. was going to say the same thing,
0: throw the farm at him. You never know. Yeah, it's it's not going to work. And it's not Madden. And they're pretty much, I have a feeling that, unfortunately, I have a feeling that what you see is what they're going to end the season with with the receivers. I don't think they're going to make a trade. It's not, Parag doesn't operate that way. Um Garoppolo kind of fell into their laps and they made that trade and d Ford the same thing. He fell into their laps and they made that trade. He doesn't, he doesn't make that aggressive move, even though they claim they went after OBJ, which I think they did. And Khalil Mack. I just oh, don't see Yeah. I don't see Parag really pulling the trigger on, especially with not having a second round pick next year. So moving on to the defense guys, another stellar performance. Now you could say it was in the rain and all those things. However, They showed up when it mattered. They had the same thing that happened in the first drive. I think you're going to see more of that going forward this season. This team's trying to run the ball early against the Niners. And I feel like when they start the game, it's kind of a feeling out process for them. Much like Bill Belichick does with his defenses, where you'll see guys come early on and be able to run the ball or throw the ball in the first drive of the game. They may score, they may not, but they're able to move the ball. And then the rest of the game, that defense tightens up. I think that the Niners are kind of built the same way. They, They want to gauge to see what's going to happen in that first drive of the game. They settle in, and then that's when they put the hammer down. And they certainly did that against Washington. It's their first set shutout of the season, first shutout since 2016 against the Rams, and a game that I was at, by the way, which was which was pretty cool. And it was just a, a signature sort of win where they just didn't let the the Washington team do anything on offense. I, I was really impressed with it.
1: It's once again a, a game that was, I think, dominated by the defensive line. I mean, Washington was, in my opinion, scared to pass the ball because they were scared of a sack. They were scared of throwing against that secondary. And you saw that. What did he finish with? Like seven pass attempts in a game that they didn't score any points. So why didn't they take risks towards the end of the game? So I I think the defense, in my opinion, could have even dominated more without that mud. The mud kind of neutralizes a. a defensive line's advantage, same as if the offensive line has the advantage, a mud game will neutralize that because it's hard to get anywhere. You can't get off the line quick. Things like that. Yet, that defensive line still dominated, still put up uh, some sacks. And you saw them in the second half completely shut down Washington. They didn't They didn't really get to move the ball much at all. Adrian Peterson started to have not get the same holes that he was getting in the first half.
2: Yeah, I think I saw something from PFF. I'm just trying to find the tweet now that the Niners have like three of the six top rated defensive linemen in the, in the entire league and Buckner is not even one of them. And it's just, they completely dominate with the front four and it, it changes everything for their defense. It takes the pressure off the defense, takes the pressure off the secondary, and it completely disrupts the opponent's game plan. It's fantastic. And I don't think it's a fluke. I don't think it's just, oh, they're playing bad teams. I think it's just this defensive line is legitimately it's frightening. Like D Ford had a sack on Sunday. The the tackle for Washington did not see him go past him. He didn't yeah. even get his head around. That's how fast Ford was off the ball. Mm-hmm. So the D line is going to be a problem for anybody that they face. And I'm interested to see how they look against some of these other, some of these elite quarterbacks that they're going up against. Cause I think, like you guys have said, I think Keenan was rattled. He threw 12 passes the whole game. Like that mm-hmm. he was in the bag. But Rodgers is not going to get rattled. You know, Drew Brees, if he's back, he's not going to get rattled. So let's see what happens then when you've got elite quarterbacks against this defensive line. And I think the 49ers is, are going
0: to held up, they're going to hold up great, to be honest. Yeah, the defense is a totally different story than the offense because the defense consistently, like we're seeing it week in and week out, they're performing and they're dominating and they're making team after team after team look bad. This was the third straight game that they have held a team under ten points. A team has not thrown for over a hundred yards since Week Three. That is an amazing statistic. Where, I'm sorry, a quarterback has not thrown for over a hundred more than hundred yards since Week Three. It's amazing what they've done, and their pass defense specifically is operating historic levels. And the reason why, like you mentioned, is is the the defensive line guys. Like the, there's no secret here. They will bring only four. They don't blitz a lot. In fact. The only time that I really saw them try to actively blitz Keenum in the Washington game was when they brought, I think it was uh, Kwan one Williams on a blitz and, and, tart and he actually beat them. It was, it was like a third and eight and he beat them. He hit McLaurin for a first down and Jimmy Ward was coming in. It was basically a race to the first down marker. McLaurin got open for like a second and he lofted up a pass and he got it before a split second before Ward got there. And I kind of laughed at that. I'm like, well, they probably would have been better rushing four and just playing zone or just like doubling McLaurin at that point because that's where the ball was going to go. And I feel like there's that, that enables you to do so much more against these elite quarterbacks. If you can get there with four, that means there's seven guys in coverage. And especially with guys like Russell Wilson that you're going to face and Lamar Jackson that you're going to face that are really mobile quarterbacks, you can put a spy on him and you can afford that. Or again, this week in this upcoming game, Christian McCaffrey, you can't cover him with a linebacker. You're not going to have Quan or Fred Warner cover him. You have Tart right there that can basically be just stuck on his jersey the entire game. And when you can get there with Ford, that allows you to mix and match your defense that way.
1: Well, I think that's one of the interesting points coming into this Carolina game for me. Carolina, you know, they've won four straight with Kyle Allen as their quarterback. He hasn't lit the world on fire. But he hasn't been bad, and the main thing he's done is he's taken care of the ball. Uh, Carolina only has one interception on the entire season, and that's really what, what this game, to me, is going to come down to. Can they rattle a rookie quarterback and really make him look like a rookie? Because the way Carolina has won is because of turnovers. They're plus six. They're second in the league in turnover differential. And when you look at their their units, they're really average. Their offense is 20th in the league. Their defense is 12th, although their defense, their rushing defense, is 23rd, which sets up the Niners being able to run quite well in the game. But they're fifth in scoring, just 20th in yards, but fifth in scoring, and their defense is 15th defensively in scoring. That to me, they're really not that great of a team. They're very, to me, they're a seven to nine win team. They're right in that mediocre but they've been winning because they've been forcing turnovers and they haven't been turning the ball over. The Niners need to get after Kyle Allen and make him look like a rookie. If they do that, they're going to win this game. They might win the game even if they don't do that just because Carolina's rush defense is not very good, whereas the Niners' rush offense is great. But that, to me, is the key is turnovers.
2: I would like to see the 49ers' rush offense sort of get back to who they were earlier in the season. I know last week there was a lot of rain, but even the week before against the Rams. They really didn't run the ball. I think they averaged two and a half yards of carry as a team for that game. So I would like to see the run game get back to the run game that we saw earlier this year. And like you said, Levin, hopefully they will because Carolina tends to at least give up some yardage because if that happens, that changes the entire dynamic of the offense and the play action becomes much more of a weapon. And Jimmy Garoppolo has been light years better on play action passes than he has on passes just either under center or even in the gun.
0: Yeah. And the, Panthers have elite linebackers like Luke Keekley's out there and they've got guys that can rush the passer. And, and they I feel like their defense is much better in person than they are on paper. And they're an improving defense. And the switch to Kyle Allen's kind of rejuvenated the, the team. I almost honestly would have seen, rather seen Cam Newton. To be very honest, because when he gets hit, he gets rattled. And no, come on.
2: When he takes hits, man,
0: he gets rattled. Like, he's an
2: MVP. Kyle
0: Allen or Cam Newton taking Cam? How long ago was that? Cam is broken down now. He's not the same Cam Newton that he was before. He's not. He's not the same Cam Newton he was before, man. Come on. Like, he's not the same player he was before. So, to be honest, like, I I think that they've felt rejuvenated behind Kyle. Kyle Allen and and they really feel like they can beat anybody and they have beat everybody. Right. So why shouldn't they? But I feel like this is kind of be one of those, those Robert Sala specials where you have an inexperienced (laughs) quarterback that comes in that fumbles a lot, by the way, I think he leads league and fumbles since he started, uh, started uh, with the Panthers uh, a few weeks ago, but it's a, it's a Robert Sala special where they're going to get after him. They're going to get after him with four. You'll see some turnovers. You'll see him, possibly throw one or two to the Niners that they're just basically going to have to catch. They'll be right to them, but you're going to see them really fluster a young quarterback. They're going to do everything that they've done to to every quarterback before this. And some quarterbacks more accomplished than this. So I have no doubt that the defense will bring it. The question is, will the offense bring it? Are they going to make dumb mistakes? Are they going to be able to run the offense the way that Kyle Shanahan wants? The rough, the the running game has suffered since the two tackles went out. It really has. It hasn't been the same. It's been really tough without that fullback. They have, they're have they trying with an H-back with Toy Lolo and Ross Dwelly in the backfield, but it's not the same thing. You really have to hold down the fort until these guys come back, and this is another one of those games where I'm like, I don't care if it's pretty, just win this game because it's another week closer to you getting the rest of the troops back.
1: Well, I think the key to stopping Carolina is simple. Stop Christian McCaffrey. Especially stop him on those screen passes. Because that to me is what opens up everything else. When they get those screen passes going, they're able to get a Curtis Samuel or more downfield because now the defense is kind of sucked up to stop the underneath to McCaffrey because he's so dangerous in them. And then they're able to get you over the top. And to me, that means Quan Alexander and Fred Warner are going to be huge in this game. The defensive line's gotten all the credit, but those two guys are very good coverage linebackers and they're going to have to account. For McCaffrey in the underneath. I also wouldn't be surprised if they, if they use somebody like Quan Williams as the nickel corner covering McCaffrey coming out and try to give somebody with a little more speed on McCaffrey since he is so fast and he's so great running routes.
2: It would be interesting. I think Christian McCaffrey is the best offensive player the 49ers defense has faced this year. I know they faced Odell, but we've seen Odell disappear from some games. Christian McCaffrey does not disappear from any game. And so I'm interested to see how they slow him down. Cause like you said, if they can slow him down, the rest of that offense doesn't really scare you too much. I don't know that they're going to be able to do it. Cause I think McCaffrey is just that good. So I, I'm sort of putting the onus more on the offense in this game, because I think the defense, this could be a game where the defense gives up, you know, 17, 20 points, and, and it's going to come down to whether or not the Niners can move the ball and, and it's score touchdowns and not rely on shaky Robbie goal to kick field goals.
0: Do we have a problem with Robbie Gold guys? Yes.
1: Yeah, I think we're there. I think he's his off season was not the same as a normal off season. He he missed some time because of his contract issues and uh kicking's almost 100% mental and he's not there.
0: I fear for the time that they ask him to go out and try to kick a game winner cuz you're going to have that. Every every NFL team comes across that game where you either need a, a kick to tie or win it or at least stay in it if you need more than one score. And I fear for that time because he just it, every week it's just like he, there's something uh, something or the other that's bothering him, the snapper, the weather, whatever it is, whatever it may be. I just feel like he just needs to get into a rhythm and whether it's kicking shorter field goals or whether it's having Kyle Nelson back like he's coming back this week, whatever it is, I feel like I hope that he gets into, into a comfort zone because really there aren't really any other any other kickers out there and if you're a contending team this could be the difference between you going on in the playoffs and going home and the bears know all that that all too well so and they I, I just ho- paid him a ton of money exactly that too like he's they 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 frankly overpaid but for a, a kicker at his level that's what you have to do to, to retain him and i think that it is becoming a problem and and i hope that they figure it out before uh before it costs them uh, by the way uh, stats uh, and decide on cam newton so he's thrown 34 picks since that MVP season. So, I mean, to me, I I would rather have seen yeah, Cam okay. <laughs> But how many of those were with a torn labrum? You know,
2: I mean, right. he hasn't been... When's the last time Cam was fully healthy? I'd argue it was that season, probably.
0: Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying, right? He's, he's just never healthy, right? So a banged-up Cam Newton is not as effective. But anyways, I, I digress. He's not going to play. It's going to be... Well, he may play if if Kyle Allen is ineffective or... The Niners make him go one for twenty-two or whatever it is, right? Hopefully, damn, that'd be pretty good. Fingers crossed. Anyway, so it's time for predictions, guys. We've got a Carolina team coming in unbeaten under Kyle Allen, coming into Levi's. The Niners are finally in the in the friendly confines of their own home stadium for four out of the next five games. They're going to be spending the majority of the month of November at Levi's Stadium. The only time they leave is to go to Arizona for that Thursday night game. So. This is going to be a stretch where they need to get most of these games, if not all of them, because then that that murderer's row stretch of the last six games starts, and you need, you need to have as good of a record as possible going into that. So, what do you guys think in this in this game against Carolina?
1: Well, I'm going to pick a, a weird score because I think they're going to miss an extra point, as we just talked about. Rally Gold. I'm going to go twenty three thirteen. Niners win. I, I think Carolina will have some big plays that give them some more points because of field goals, but they'll get the one big play and then the defense will shut them down and the offense will do enough, but it's going to be another fast game because the Niners are going to be running.
2: Yeah. Two hours and 36 minutes, I think was the game against Washington. That's how long it took, which is incredible. Uh, I think I, I hate to admit it, but I think I'm going to pick against San Francisco for the first time this season. Uh, Like I said, Christian McCaffrey is the best offensive player they've faced all year. There's legitimate talent on the wide receivers for Carolina. I have, questions about the 49ers ability to cover those guys. I think it'll be close, but you know, I think that some of these turnovers might come back to hurt San Francisco. So I'll take Carolina 24 20.
0: So to that point, there's something I've been before I get my prediction, something I've been just thinking about mulling over just today. I was thinking about it and there's going to be at some point in the season, there'll be some quarterback who's just going to start throwing it down the field, just checking it up. And maybe it's Russell Wilson. Maybe it's somebody before that, but just a quarterback who's going to just try just try the deep ball because we don't see any quarterbacks really throwing it or even attempting to throw it deep on this Niners team, mostly because they don't have time. But I think that when they do have time, you're going to see somebody try to make that move. And maybe it's Kyle Allen because of his youth and inexperience and ignorance, maybe he'll try it. So I I really just don't uh, like I, it's to me, games like this are so hard to predict because if the Niners had all their people, if they had both tackles and use check and if, the receivers were better, then it'll be like, all right, Niners in a landslide, but it's going to be one of those, like Levin said, slog it out games where it's going to be a quick game. They run the ball. The Niners run the ball a lot. So the clock is going to keep going and you're going to have limited amounts of possessions to be able to score points. So this is one of those games where you want Robbie gold to play well. Frankly, this is one of those games where he needs to play well, and it may come down to him. So I'm going to say the Niners. i I'm going to go with the Niners again. I'm going to say that they're going to go uh, and and win 24-17. And it'll be one of those games where, again, the defense will have to step up at the end. I think that's going to be the MO until this offense catches up. But it's going to be a game where it may come out to last possession.
1: Okay. Now, before we finish, we did forget one thing, which I just realized.
0: We never gave our game balls. Yeah. I realized it a while back, and I'm like, oh, we're just having such a good time debating about Garoppolo (laughs) and this stuff. I'm like, man... This is, this is good, right? So I would wanted to, want to let it play out, but uh, there we go. So, Levin, since you mentioned it first, you get to go ahead and give him the, the first one.
1: Well, I'm glad I'm going first because I think it's a very obvious choice in this game. It, it's Nick Bosa. He had seven tackles. He had four tackles for a loss. He had the game clenching, if you want to call it, sack there. Uh, he, and he dominated from the get-go. I think he had five tackles in the first quarter. He was really the one that was stepping up and getting those stops to stop them from getting points.
2: That's boy, you really, you really stole uh, Nick Bosa out from under me there, Levin. Pick an offensive player, come on. (laughs) I mean, here's the problem. I mean, I don't. There's no one to even go to. I mean, Kendrick, uh, Richie James Jr. had one catch for 40 yards. I mean, I, I I guess I'm going to have to cop out and say the entire defensive line. Um, you know, who is it? Julian Taylor. How about Julian Taylor? Let's give it to Julian Taylor. Filling in. You know, a guy that's not active every game, had a huge fumble recovery on Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson, another fumble. There's a stunner. Let's give it to I'll throw him some love since you stole Nick Bosa from me. Julian Taylor gets my game ball this week.
0: Wow. I was literally going to give it to Taylor. I was yes. it. <laughs> so we're doing that now. We're just, we're just, uh, and for those of you listening, we actually don't talk about this off air. So this is the first time we're actually hearing this. And uh, that's kind of funny that we all stole each other's game balls, but I actually had an alternative just in case that would happen. So I'm going to give my game ball to Kyle Shanahan and, and, and Mike Shanahan too, actually. So funny story, <laughs> for those of you who didn't know, Mike Shanahan um, obviously coached for the, the Washington franchise and he had Kyle Shanahan under him and that, that staff was great. It had Sean McVay on it, had a couple other coaches on it, but they eventually all got fired and we all know how the Shanahans feel about Dan Snyder or Chainsaw Dan, as I like to call him. And there's no love lost there. And this is one of those games where the team knew that it meant meant a lot to Kyle Shannon to win, despite the fact that he tried to play it off. Like it didn't matter before the game, but in the locker room afterwards, he said that every player would get a game ball. He said that his dad would get, would get a game ball. This was personal to him. It was a monsoon. It was really hard to call plays. You literally had to get out of there with the win and uninjured. And although he was conservative at times, he made a lot of the right calls at the right time. Really impressive win because these are the games you have to win as a team to get to the championship and win a championship. So Kyle Shanahan will get my game ball for this week. Fair enough. And and Mike Shanahan too, obviously. Give it to both the Shanahans. And one one more thing. So before we go, there's a familiar face returning to Levi's this weekend for this Carolina game. I know we're kind of jumping around here, but I, I don't want to leave without talking about this. There's a familiar face coming back with Carolina. You guys know who that is, right? Eric Reed. Yep. So Eric Reed makes his return to Levi's for the first time since leaving the Forty ers and he's been doing a pretty pretty good job for the Panthers since he since he got there and was signed. And he was one of those guys where I at the time I I didn't really agree with being released because I thought he was a serviceable player despite the injuries. But what do you guys think about the storyline of Eric Reed come back? Is it going to be a big storyline here, or is it just going to be one of those things where we just kind of forget about it?
1: I think the NFL is going to be uh, pushing some buttons behind the scenes and saying. You can mention it during the game, but don't make a big deal about it. Because if you make a big deal about it, there's going to be another topic comes up that they don't like to come up, and that's the whole kneeling thing. And maybe they'll talk about it pre pregame. I am curious if he's going to do it since he's back in Levi's Levi Stadium. I, I think he might, but I, I'd be curious to see if they even show him in pregame. Because um, I wouldn't be surprised if the NFL says we're not we don't want any part of that. Don't put the camera on him and all that. But to me. I think fans should greet him make a big cheer, but they shouldn't be booing him. I'd be disappointed if he's booed because I agree with you. I think he should have been retained. I mean, up until Jimmy Ward came back, what was one of the biggest holes on, on the 49ers? Safety. He plays very good safety, and he plays a safety that fits the scheme where he's able to kind of go back and forth. He can play strong safety. He can come down in the box. He can do all things. So I would be disappointed if he's booed. But I don't necessarily think he needs to be cheered. I just don't see why there'd be any animosity towards, towards him.
2: I totally agree. Uh, and I don't mean this as a slight to Eric Reed, but he never played good enough or bad enough to warrant a huge reaction either way. He, he was a fine player. I think he, he shined at times. But he certainly never did anything bad enough to, to warrant getting booed. Like Kyle Williams? Kyle Williams gets booed forever. For me, yep. yep, he blew those those punts in that NFC title game. But Eric Eric Reed, I have nothing but good memories of Eric Reed, so I'll certainly be happy to see him again.
0: Yeah, I think that he's one of those guys that you're kind of indifferent to because he was uh, just at the tail end of those Harbaugh teams that were going to championship games in the Super Bowl. So I think that fans have uh, just a neutral reaction towards him because obviously they remember Colin Kaepernick more for for this, but they forget that. Reed and Eli Harold also kneeled next to him as well, right? For say what you want about the, the political position that, that people take. But the, the fact of the matter is that it wasn't just Kaepernick alone. There were guys with him that supported him. So um, it'll be interesting to see what he does. I mean, I, I, I like Eric Reed as a player. I uh, I think he's a really intelligent player, really intelligent person. And I'm glad that he got a job because he should have a job because he's, he's much better than a lot of the safeties out there. So it's really, it's really great that he's kind of coming back and, and got a starting job back, and and that he's really flourishing there in, in Carolina. Other than that, I heard that I, I hope they beat the pants off the the Panthers. But besides that, like it just really kind of kind of a nice little storyline to see Eric Reed again. All right, guys. So before we wrap, any final thoughts? I know we wanted to discuss Killer Witherspoon. Uh, we're up against it, so we can talk about that on the next show. He's not playing this week, uh, so we'll have plenty of time to talk about him. Uh, even when he gets back, I think Emmanuel Mosley may split time with him or may just be the starter until Witherspoon can prove that he's he's healthy, but we'll talk about that next week. Uh, any final thoughts?
1: My only thought is uh, somebody's going to remain undefeated in their predictions.
0: Either Stats <laughs> is going to be undefeated
1: or I'm going to be undefeated.
0: I, I hope for the Niners sake, I hope it's Levin. Sorry, Stats.
2: Well, I hope it's Levin too. I just, I don't think the 49ers are going to go undefeated this year. At some point, they're going to lose a game. I just think it might be this week. Uh, I think that I think they will make a deal for a wide receiver. I don't know that it necessarily is going to be A.J. Green. I think that something is going to happen. They're going to bring in a wide receiver from outside the organization because they know
0: they need help. There you go, everybody. You heard it here. So four stats, four eleven. This is Zane, and this has been another episode of the 49ers Webs on No Huddle podcast, sponsored by the QBSeek.com. For accurate predictions on every NFL matchup and thought-provoking NFL content that can help your fantasy teams or confidence pool, head to theqbsneak.com.
1: Thanks, guys.